right here, right now. Find your beautiful new floor at Right Rug Flooring. Choose from thousands of in-stock styles ready for next day installation and all backed by the right price guarantee. Visit rightrug.com. That's R-I-T-E-R-U-G.com today to schedule a free in-home estimate or to find a location near you. 24-month financing is available with approved credit. For 90 years, we've been right here, right now. Right Rug Flooring. This is your moment, your time to shine, your comeback. You're ready for the next step in your career, and you want an education employer's respect. So you're not just going back to school. You're coming back with Purdue Global. Backed by Purdue University, one of the nation's most respected public universities, Purdue Global is built for people who bring their life experience into the online classroom. Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. Coming to you live from the Cross Country Mortgage Campus in Berea, Ohio, this is Cleveland Browns Daily on 850 ESPN Cleveland. Here are your hosts, Bo Bishop and Nathan Zagura. All right, let's do a live on a Friday edition of Cleveland Browns Daily. I am merely Bo, the great Gibby here. How you doing, buddy, on this Friday? Better than you, man. The heart rate up a little <laughs> bit. Had to, had to come in hot and heavy. Well, we had the – yeah, I mean, you, I don't know what you do. It, it, a quick Google search, I guess, solved it. But as I got in the vehicle uh, to head over here, it just froze. Just froze. Not Wouldn't ideal. move. Um, and it is electric. And so – you know, it's not like I could just kick the carburetor because it doesn't have one. Um, and so it is a computer. And so I'm thinking to my, well, I don't know what to do here. It was just sitting in reverse still in the driveway. Less than ideal. Uh, but a quick Google and I, it was basically like restarting a computer. That's crazy. Hold two buttons down. Like my phone where you hold yes, the two buttons on exactly. the side. and Resetting a phone. Resetting. Yeah. That's crazy. Yeah, yeah. But, it's the first time it's happened. I've had it since ni- 2019. I've I've never had. I haven't had this first. It's, this is the first experience with that of a of a meltdown. At least you were home. You weren't at an intersection. You said it, buddy. Because, I mean, that would be a lot less than from ideal. Home today, if I we needed to. Yes, I could have. Uh, but I was at the same time. Like your your point is well taken. Like, I don't know what happens if that happens at a light. And by the way, you can't exactly take that to a regular shop. No, no, no that's no. a specialty item. Yeah, well, yeah. I mean, there's certain places that could, there's one certain place that can work on it, and that's about it. It's a it's a job for one in that sense. So I don't. know. We made it, and you, thrilled you to be you here. Made it with had, time to spare. I thought yeah, you'd be coming a bit of in time. super hot. <clears throat> no, yeah, you're safe, pal. 
came in just fine. So everything going good on that side of things. Uh, we are day two of the children's summer vacation at, at, on the Ponderosa, and, and that's going swimmingly. Um, I at one point looked at my wife this morning as my oldest was making another breakfast spread that included smoothies and eggs and berries and all of this stuff, and he's pouring stuff around. To his credit, he did a pretty good job of cleaning it up. Yesterday I had to ride him pretty hard. Yep. Uh, but he, he did clean it up pretty good today. And I look over my wife, and she's got some sort of illness. Um, and so she's – well, not illness. She has a cold. But she's, she's like, just laying on the couch. I'm like, can, can you engage? Are we going to engage in this? Like, where where are we? Two of the show. Like, what what's going on here? I feel like the inmates are running the asylum. We're like two days in. What was Bootsy's day two summer vacation meal? I told my wife about this last night. Oh, yeah, he's real excited. He was real excited yesterday to get it going in style. Um, yeah, I mean, he's off to a great start. He was off to a great start. I um, My demerit, I told you I do the demerits now where there are certain things that they do. What matters most to them appears to be bedtime. So any time that there is any sort of violation, uh, not picking stuff up or, you know, whatever, then it's a five-minute demerit per violation. Um, so they'll be, they're not going to be real thrilled about this, but tonight, uh, this afternoon, as I was, before I got in the car, before I headed over here, um, they had to go to, like, Great Escape or something to pick something up for the pool. And, and as they were, so they had left. And the basement, all the lights were on in the basement. Not Food great. wrappers. Xbox was on, television was on. I mean, you're talking a five-minute demerit for each. We're gonna be going to bed at like eight forty-five tonight, <laughs> boys. I'm gonna going to, to bed early from your bedroom at the rate we're going. That's right. That's right. It'll be great. The um, hey, do you know what happened uh, 15 years ago today? 15. 15 years ago today. I do not. Sopranos final episode. Really? Yeah. 15 years ago today, which a made me feel old. Yeah. That it had been that long. Um, and B, made me revisit how that ended. And I'm sure you were probably like, we're of similar age. And so you, we, I was watching in real time. Yes. When it same. happened. Yeah. And your thought in real time when that happened at the end was what? I, I need more. What? What? <laughs> you can't end like that. Wait, what? No. No. Wrong. Cable was out was what you thought. I mean, I thought the cable blipped. Yeah. Like the electricity went out. Cable went out. It just went to black for several seconds, and I, wait, that's it? That, that, this is how we're yeah. ending it? Like, that's it? So at the start of the pandemic, um, my wife hadn't seen it, so we started. Uh, I said, well, I'll rewatch it with you from the start. I hadn't seen it in you know, the early episodes in 20 years. I think those started yeah. pre-9-11, that show, I think. Yes. Well, for sure, because the Twin Towers were in the opening. Yep. Um, so that's probably late 90s when that thing starts. And um, so I hadn't seen it. In, in a long, long time. And so we watched it in binge, in more of a binge mode situation. And um, it's funny, in real time, I I don't know that I necessarily connected. I didn't necessarily think emphatically that he was dead. No, you know, that, I that was the I end. Did, I did not think of that either. I didn't think of it that way. And then, but then in rewatching it, I think it's absolutely perfectly clear that he died. And, and David Chase has said so since. But even in rewatching it, you're like, Oh yeah, I mean all of the bricks were laid, you know. But we weren't watching it. We weren't watching television in that way, where one episode after another. Heck, one of those seasons they had a writer strike, and it was like eighteen months between seasons yeah. on that show. So it ran from January tenth, nineteen ninety nine, through June tenth, two thousand seven. Sheesh. 
So that's eight years, and is it six seasons? Season uh, two is the Richie April. Season three. Eight seasons? Uh, well, it says six seasons. Yeah, that's what it was not. Six. There was not one in. And the sixth season is split. So it's actually kind of like five. And, and by the way, like the season one was in 99, season two in 2000, season three in 01, season four in 02. They didn't do one in 03. Yeah. It, so they did one in 04. They did not do one in 05. Yeah. And I, writer's strike had to be one of those two. One of those but, two years, yeah. And then season six was 06, 07. They split it. They did yeah. like six episodes or whatever each. Uh, yeah. It was this, that was the, that set off everything that's happened in television since, like the prestige TV, the antihero, all of that. It's all, there are other shows that were around that time too. Like The Wire was around that time. Oz yep. was around that time. Um, there was a show on FX called The Shield that had an antihero. Uh, Michael Chiklis and that. So there were others that did it, but this definitely paved the way for Breaking Bad, you know, Game of Thrones, all the stuff. I understand Game of Thrones is an anti-hero, but in terms of big money prestige television, Sopranos kicked it off. I mean, this is a show I mean, like Yellowstone, as improbable as that Yellowstone is the number one television show on television on Paramount. It was equally as improbable that the Sopranos on HBO was going to be something you had that 15 million people would see on a pay service. You could argue that HBO had as good a lineup as NBC at the time because NBC, you know, had the must-see TV yeah. theme and, and their Thursday lineup. HBO was right up there. I mean, oh, with God. all of their programs. They had – you. that would have been um, – you definitely would have had Sex in the City yep. was on at that time. You would have had Sopranos. You would have had The Wire. You would have had Deadwood and Rome both were around that time. Those are both you outstanding. Had Band of Brothers. Band of Brothers hit at that time. Yeah, they had a lot of strong. They were putting out stuff. And like you said, yeah. it wasn't you couldn't binge watch it unless no. you bought season one like on DVD. Yeah. You had like the four That's DVDs right. and you're but like. But there was no HBO on demand no. or HBO Max or whatever the heck it is nope. now. Like it was you watched it when it was on and that was your shot unless you recorded it on VHS or whatever or that like to your point get the DVDs. 6 seasons, 86 episodes. That's a lot. Yeah. yeah that's a lot. Yeah. So it was it, great. It, it holds up. I mean the it, first it season's does. slow in retrospect the first the first season is a little slow compared to how television is now, but the re once it picks up second half Holy of the first Lord. season and then the rest of the way it's it holds up really, From really well. From a twist and turn standpoint, maybe as good a show as any. Yeah, it was awesome. I mean, it's yeah, it's, it's a Pantheon program. You never program. know who was going to no. get no. uh -uh. taken out on a week-to-week -week basis. No, you didn't. Um, did you see this yesterday as well? We spent a little bit of time yesterday on the show talking about the live golf thing. Did you see the Alan Shipnuck dust-up yesterday? No. So Alan Shipnuck is the golf writer who – is the one who released the quotes from Mickelson that got Mickelson in trouble. And I'm pretty sure on the show we were debating how that happened, like how those quotes got out. Was he on the record? Was he off? That, that's something, you know, we, we talk about all the time, like, you know, when we do scores and all that stuff. Absolutely. Like on the record in our medium is pretty straightforward. If you're, if you're on this program, you're on the record. If, we, if the red light's on, it's on. 
Yep. And I've always viewed, I don't know where you feel about this, but even in television where it was even more obvious that the, the camera was on with the giant red light literally on the camera, I always viewed that everything that was said to me when that was off was off the record. That was for, for color for me, background for me as I'm telling the story, but I would never quote anybody on any of that. The only stuff that I quote is while the camera's running. Print's a little different because you, you have tape recorders. Yep. Is this rolling? Is it not? I've never been a print journalist, so I have no idea if they're like, okay, and now we're on. I don't, I don't know what that's like. My hunch is that Phil didn't think this was on the record when he said what he said. Shipnuck clearly did and actually doubled down on that when Mickelson said he didn't know and said, no, no, he was. Fast forward to yesterday, live event in London. Shipnuck's there. Now, he wrote a biography on Phil. It's unauthorized, but he wrote a biography on Phil. Phil was interviewed for it, which is where this information came from. He was there yesterday, and he tweeted that two uh, two guys forcibly removed him from the presser. Okay. Okay? So you've seen this now. I, I Yeah, now I know who you're talking yeah. about. So he's tweeting it, that he's being removed, so forth. Then he tweets a screen grab. So in the meantime, like if you see the video, Mickelson is talking as he's being removed. Yeah, forcibly. Forcibly removed. And Phil Mickelson's at the podium talking. So this is how absurd this is. Um, so he, he then tweets out a screen grab of a text exchange between him and Greg Norman, where he says, hey, Greg, just so you know, two of your goons just removed me. Um, luckily, I was cool-headed, and so this didn't escalate. Norman goes, uh, "Let's give me a call so we can talk about this. Norman respond, re- responds back, I didn't know. Thanks for letting me know. Shipnuck responds back, interesting that you didn't know with a screen grab of the two guys forcibly removing him and Greg Norman five feet behind him. In the background. Going like this. Yep. (laughs) Things are going to get contentious. Look. Pretty good. I'm sorry, but if you've made the decision to play on the PGA or at the Live Tour, you should be forced to talk about it. That's a a whole deal. Like, you know. Yeah, I it's yeah, of course. I, I and they were talking. It was just a matter of like this guy not being allowed or Mickelson didn't want him there. You know, that was kind of the strange thing. It's like Mickelson was like, I don't want him there. And so Norman had the guys remove him. Which is pretty wild. You know, it's it's a shame that the that, that story has so many layers because of the, the Saudi backing and all of that and appropriately being questioned about all of it. It's essentially what's your price? Yeah, really. If you get down to it, it's not about golf. It's not about. It's not really about sport. It just happens to be sport. It happens to be golf. But the root of the issue is is much more straightforward. What are you willing to do for how much? So every one of us has that conversation, um, and so that I think is what makes that whole thing so interesting. I had it on a little bit this morning. It's fine. You know, it's back to just it's just golf at this point. The curiosity's off, and and so it's just golf at a place that I hadn't seen golf until yesterday, but. Um, I, I'm, I'm curious to see where this all goes. And they got DeChambeau today. Correct. And, and isn't the U.S. Open next week? Next week. Yeah. Are they? Are these guys playing in it? They are. are and they... well, yeah, the ones that can that are eligible are. Um, the there was some rumor this morning that that Augusta was going to like respond to the Augusta was going to have a stance on this at some point today. And I didn't. That's surprising to me because. I, it's not like Augusta to do a statement for stake of statement. Like, Correct. They'll do that next year. They would. They're so far from their tournament. I would be surprised that they would wade into it if they didn't have to. 
Augusta doesn't have to do anything that they do or don't no. want to do. No. And I would be shocked if they – I'd be shocked if Augusta cared Yeah, about where these guys play. I don't, I don't think they view it as – I mean, they transcend the tour, so I don't. I don't sense that that's anything that they would care about. So I was a little bit surprised to hear that. Uh, next week we will have a steady dose of football. We will have mandatory minicamp next week. Uh, the schedule. Our guys will get back here on Monday. There'll be some stuff here at the facility on Monday. Tuesday will be the practice here. That's a that would be a full day practice, getting after it practice to a certain extent as much as you can at, at mandatory minicamp these days under the the rules of the CBA. And then Wednesday down in Canton. Just a brief, quick, it's quick, workout. right? Like that's thirty minutes. Yeah, half hour, um, and then I'm, I think that has a. It'd be fun to talk to our guys. Now I know they're going to scatter afterwards, but it would be fun to talk to our guys after they go through the hall, to see what their view of it was. Because my guess is maybe none of them have been outside of maybe the rookie classes from the last couple of years. Yeah, cuz they've been making they, those guys have been going yeah. down there, right? Yeah. But like the veterans, I, you know, I I was going to say I I would venture to guess the majority of the veterans on this football team have never been to the Hall of Fame. Yeah. They've done a great job. I mean, the folks down in Canton do a great job with it. It's going to be awesome. And then on Thursday, you will have the practice at the stadium and then you're out. And that's yeah. a wrap. And that should be about a ninety-minute practice. That, though, I think they'll. Uh, it won't be one of those shortened days. Yeah, I think they'll get after it that day too, because that'll be their their one day essentially at the stadium. Maybe, might be their only time between now and and their first or their first home preseason game, because of all the yeah, events that true. are coming to the stadium. What do we got going on this summer? Does stuff? Are we get concerts and such? We have concerts, and uh, I believe July 2nd, Saturday night, Monster Jam. Tearing out the turf. All like the, the big, trucks? Yeah, the big trucks. The monster trucks are coming? Yeah. Wow. Okay. So there's something at the end of July. I need to. We need to throw some weight around. We need to throw some head honchoism around. Okay. We need to get a spot. Um, but Top Golf is coming to the stadium. Oh, they're gonna do. Oh, that's they're gonna fun. do that at First Energy. Well, we should do the show there one day. I agree. And do it from a be, bay. From a bay. From of course. A bay. Yes. One of the top bays. Yes. Yeah, that's how it needs to be. I'm for that. That's a great time. Top golf in general. Yeah. Yes. It's a great time. And what's cool about it is it really doesn't matter how good you are. No. So it's anybody can play and have a good time. I was surprised by that experience. It was a it was a win. I I didn't. I think that's what got my sister kind of hooked into golf because she's now in a women's league on Wednesday nights. And but she and her girlfriends, uh, they they go to Top Golf all the time in the winter. My nephew. Oh, it's great in the winter. Yeah, yeah. Which I never would have expected until I was there myself in a December night and yeah, was blown we, away. And your fate, you're you're literally facing into the wind. <laughs> right. Yeah. No. We we did um, we did uh, pay, my oldest Peyton's birthday there. Uh, a couple of years ago, and nice. that was December 19th. It's great. Yeah, it was absolutely great. Um, all right, we will go around the league. Uh, some interesting stuff coming out. Again, it's just a little bit of noise out of Baltimore uh-huh. with Lamar. I, 
not all is good uh, in in the land of crab cakes and football. So we will get to that. You'll hear from Alex Van Pelt with Z. Uh, that exclusive interview will come up a little bit later. Uh, Bobby had a lot of questions. We'll get to some of those. Uh, Anthony Poisal will join us. Our staff writer will join us. We'll break down and get you set for what you expect to see in mini camp. You have that to look forward to, which is nice. A little higher or lower as well. We're off and running on a Friday edition of Cleveland Browns Daily, 850 ESPN Cleveland. Cleveland Browns Daily on 850 ESPN Cleveland. My friends, the Bath Authority could give you that bathroom of your dreams. They can do it for you in a de- about a day. You want a spa-like experience? You give my guys a call, 216-220-8399. Let them make it a reality for you at a fraction of the cost of the competitors. The Bath Area Bath Authority's Cleveland's premier bath and shower remodeler. They are experts. They are factory trained. They're ready to install. If you give them a call right now, you get 500 bucks off your next custom bath or shower remodel. That number is 216-220-8399. To go to thebathauthority.com. It's where affordability meets quality. You need to do a tub-to-shower conversion. They got you covered on that. Superior products, expert installers at thebathauthority.com and at 216-220-8399 as we go around the league. Um, this from Florio. So he, he pr- comes up with three reasons why there it's icy between Lamar and the Ravens. Now, we've talked about this since the combine. You got a sense of it there that there something wasn't right. Um, he is allegedly going to be at mandatory minicamp next week. He has not participated in the OTAs. He is not. Um, so this is Flor- where Florio is with this. The Ravens are ready to offer him an extension, but he won't engage them in negotiations. So that's why Harbaugh has these awkward pressers where he's, you know, saying things like, you know, well, that's really up to Lamar. Yeah, like, he's not here. He's not here. There's not much we can, you know, all of this. So Florio has come up with three options as he sees them for why an extension isn't done. So they are in order. Number one, he wants out of Baltimore. I don't think he wants out of Baltimore. No, as Florio said, Jackson has denied such chatter, but until he signs a new contract, it remains a distinct possibility. It's hard for me to imagine it. I mean, he's so beloved there. He is so they've done about everything that they can to empower him there. Agreed. It's built I mean they've built everything around him there. It's hard for me to imagine that he would want out of Baltimore. Uh but who knows? You never know. Uh he wants the Ravens to offer him a market setting contract without the burden of negotiation. Yeah, I think that's real likely. That that's <laughs> that one to me is very, very believable. Number three, he doesn't know what he wants. That's not believable. I'm pretty sure it's two. I'm pretty sure it's two that he probably says to himself, I am an MVP of this league, a unanimous MVP of this league. I am the fulcrum of this entire offense. I should be compensated at the very highest of levels. And at the very highest of levels is the deal that was done here for Deshaun. So you're talking 230 million guaranteed. And he's going to say, well, I need 240 guaranteed. So, and honestly, I don't know how you could argue it. Like five years, 250. I don't know. I don't know how you argue it. I, I guess my argument is how much have you won with him? Can you get to the next well, level with him? Knowing full well that no wide receiver wants to come there and play. Well, that's part, all of that's the reality uh, is, is all reality of it. But, you know, from a winning you know quarterback record, I'm pretty sure his quarterback record is better than Deshaun's. And he's a former and he's MVP. A, he's a unanimous MVP. 
Now, I don't think anybody from a football product would take Lamar over Deshaun because of obviously the the hangups in terms of moving the ball down the field as a passer. Um, but from his vantage point, and from the, like he's critical to their operation. I mean, but it's tricky. I don't know. And there's going to be more of these. Like what you're seeing here with him is going to be repeated in Cincinnati with Burrow in L.A. with Herbert. This is going to be tr- Kyler Kyle Murray. Murray. I was just yeah. going to say I, it, it bears what everybody's watching. You know, all the wide receivers got paid this offseason. Quarterbacks moved, but wide receivers got paid. What's the next step here? And what's the next domino to fall? And how do those dominoes fall based on, you know, in part the contract that we have given to Sean Watson? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I don't um, know. It's 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 interesting to see. I think it's two. I think it's option two. It, it was At the end of Florio's article, he writes, it will be interesting to see whether he shows up for mandatory minicamp next week. Is there a possibility he doesn't show up? I mean, I mean they said they expected him. Yeah, I would think. There's no reason to think he won't. That said, there's no clear reason to explain his handling of his broader business issues to date. Agreed. Yeah. No, I I think he'll be there. I think they'll get this. I think they'll get it sorted out. I do. Um, but I think the money c- could be interesting how they do that. I, I would say if I were what I'm guessing they want to do, and I you can't get in his head. What I would guess they want to do is a shorter term deal. You know, and he might want that too because the salary cap's going to go up. He's going to bet on himself. That's the other thing he could do. He could do the Cousins route and be franchise tagged in back to back years, and then hit the open market. Cousin style, like you could do that. It's a bet on yourself. You got to bet against injury and everything else. I, I just I, I look at it and I go, what what am I missing here? What? It's always about the money. It it, it is, but at some point, look, you're representing yourself, right? <laughs> I mean, the Ravens have have already said we're ready to re up you. Well, are you waiting for them to make you the offer first? Then you you should tell them that, <laughs> right? Like, that's where you need to go with that. You you can't just keep going. Well, it'll get done. It'll get done. It'll get done. Well, it's not getting done. It's June tenth. Yeah, and you haven't been at any of the off season programs. No, no. I think it could come together quickly though, and it, you know, as soon as you, it's just that number. You got to get that number where. It's something that makes him happy. So, But it bears watching, and it continues to be interesting. Uh, Devontae Adams, uh, with an interesting quote on Aaron Rodgers' looming retirement, is part of the reason why he left Green Bay. He told reporters yesterday, by the way, he also compared Derek Carr favorably to Aaron Rodgers. Um, Not so fast, my friend. Yeah, he goes, because this is a quote, because where I am in my career, this isn't a shot at anybody. Other, any, any other quarterbacks in Green Bay, I love Jordan Love especially. He's a great guy. I got aspirations of doing really, really big things and being remembered, and it just really wasn't a point in my career that I was willing to sacrifice Aaron not being there after a year or two. Yeah, he said he, he discussed all of this with Aaron Rodgers leading up to yeah. the trade. Like every, He and Aaron talked through everything for the the entire offseason leading up to his trade. Rodgers seems far more ready to retire than even Brady. Yes, agreed. I think that Aaron Rodgers, it, if if something annoys Aaron Rodgers enough, he could retire midseason. <laughs> yeah, I know. I think everything's in play with him. Yeah. Um, you you just listen to him on those the golf stuff. Like It just feels like at any point they did that roundtable 
and at any point it feels yeah. like he could call it a run. You yeah, know, it's been a good run. It, the end is near. Yeah, and he's seven years younger than Brady. Yeah. Uh, our old buddy Greg Williams, former interim coach here, defensive coordinator, returning to coaching as an assistant in the new XFL league. Um, I mean, this that's is, pretty it, perfect. He should be the head coach, honestly. Yes, and put him on a mic. Uh, he should be mic'd. He he's I, the he's the best soundbite ever. He is best coach. coaching soundbite. Best coaching soundbite we've ever had. I mean, it's pure joy. Yeah, oh. <laughs> boy. I mean, he salvaged that hard knock season. That thing yeah. was a debacle. Other than that, they picked the wrong guys to, to follow. Still um, to this day. Hugh, being Hugh, but Greg saved it. Those little bits at the end with Greg saved it. You know, he was good. Yeah, that and Bob Wiley. Bob, hut hut, yeah, set hut, yeah. I, That's right. I, I just, I don't. That seems like a thousand years ago. XFL. Again, I, I feel like they're between that and the other league, the USFL, like can can both of these be sustained? Can they both be no. here three years from now? No. I don't think so. So what I think is interesting is the XFL locations for this. So LV Seattle. So it's it's Houston. Isn't it? It's Houston, San Antonio, St. Louis, Washington. Las Vegas, Seattle, and there's two more. Is this USFL or no? no XFL. Hold it's on. those six, and then there's there's two more. I mean, they still don't even have team names yet. No, no. Um, there's they they all have coaches though. There's eight teams. I'm missing two, but I I'm pretty sure. Uh, let's see. Dallas. Oh, Dallas. Orlando. San Antonio. Dallas Seattle, and Orlando would be the other two. Then. St. Louis. Yeah. So I had Houston, San Antonio, St. Louis, Washington, Vegas, Seattle, and then the other two are Dallas and Orlando. So there's your eight. Okay, so it, can you explain to me the thinking? Because the USFL – now USFL is playing all their games out of Birmingham, so it doesn't really matter. But can you explain to me how or why the entire Midwest is skipped out? I mean, we care about football a great deal here. And there's nothing in Ohio – there's nothing in Pennsylvania. Pennsylvania's not Midwest, but you get the point. Um, there's nothing in Wisconsin, Minnesota, Illinois, Indiana. Nothing. I mean, why are you and why are you putting him in NFL cities? I have no idea. I don't know why you are. Because where where you're not going like to play Washington? the NFL stadiums? Are you? No way. I can't imagine that's going to be allowed. No, so you're going to have to find college stadiums or you know whatever. But, like, okay, so fine. I get the three in Texas. That makes sense. Houston, San Antonio, Dallas. Texas is one of the fastest-growing states. They love their football. That makes sense. St. Louis, I guess the thinking is, well, they used to have an NFL team, so they'll probably support this if we put one there. Probably put them in the dome. Probably put them in the dome. Got Washington, I don't get it all. I don't, I don't understand Washington at no, all. They can't get out of their own way at the NFL level. Yeah, I, I don't see that. Orlando, I don't get it all either. Like, that's a – those games are going to be – I mean, if it's, in, if it's summer, those games are going to be sweat lodge. Well, I mean, I get it because it's one city in Florida without an NFL uh, team, yeah. and you've had the Pro Bowl there. You've you've had you, there, you have the infrastructure there to do it. I just always felt like nobody was actually from Orlando. No, everyone's a transplant. Correct. You know, so well, I, most I just don't know that anyone would care. I don't know. We'll see. Vegas. Everyone's going to Vegas now, and then Seattle. 
I don't know. I just think it's strange that they they skip over this entire region. Both the leagues did this. I don't understand it. Yeah. Like Columbus is sitting there. They got all that corporate money. They got stadiums. Makes all the sense in the world to do it. You wouldn't be going up against Buckeyes. You'd be free of that. I don't know. They just skipped it. Skipped this entire part of the country. Well, and is the XFL going to be on at the same time as the U.S.? Like, are they going to be? Uh, sure. Is It's got to be a spring league. I guess. He's further along. Jeff saying that those are in those cities because those are the original XFL teams. But it's fine, but, like, why would you have to – that was how many years ago? Like, how many people were clamoring for – Which, D- Jeff, I appreciate the, the info, but if you're the XFL, you already failed. Correct. So why do you want to go back to those cities? Like, if they failed, why do you want to relive it? And it's not all of them. Like, there's uh, New York, New Jersey, L.A., Memphis, San Francisco, Birmingham, Chicago. Those were original XFL teams. How many teams did they have in the beginning? They had eight. So these aren't, yeah, the XFL. These aren't the actual, these aren't the original XFL teams. The original eight XFL teams were the Birmingham Thunderbirds, Chicago Enforcers, New York Hitmen, Orlando Rage, Las Vegas Outlaws, Los Angeles Extreme, Memphis Maniacs, and San Francisco Demons. That was the original. So this isn't that. This is three teams in Texas. There wasn't any in Texas. Um, This is St. Louis. Washington, the only ones that are carryovers, in fact, are Orlando and Vegas. That's it. Everybody else is new. I mean, I feel like you could have put something in Chicago. Well, or or, or even in that area. Like if, if you, yeah, like if you feel like Indy is too small or Columbus is too small, I mean, I don't think there's a market for it here or Cincinnati. We, you know, you've got the NFL. But yeah, Chicago's in the region, like Louisville. I mean, I would look at those. I think those mid-markets with a lot of – look, it used like to matter Memphis? if you were in a big market. That doesn't matter anymore. No. It doesn't matter. Market you, size is irrelevant. And if you're developing a league, it might be better to put them in some smaller cities. Well, to be and, – and, I mean, to look at the NBA ratings for the Game 3 that was down with the Celtics and Warriors. I mean, San Francisco is a top-five market in the country. Boss, and it's the Celtics, for crying out loud. And the ratings are down. Yeah. So. Yeah, I'm not. I don't know. I'm not sure I'm all in on on what they're trying to do or what they're trying to accomplish. I don't know what. I always thought the straightest path for a. Now their schedule crosses over too much, but I thought the straightest path to if you want more football in the United States would be to have a Southern League of the CFL. There's the infrastructure. There's historical relevance. Um, like even the year that Baltimore was in there, I think they won it one year. Like they were, weren't they the Colts? I think they were the Baltimore CFL Colts. And then the NFL said, well, you can't do that. And so they became like the Baltimore stallions or something, but they won the gray cup, you know, like that's something that's been around a long time. It's there. There's the infrastructure. Uh, you know, there's, there would be an entire country buying into it. Um, but I do think there's room for one of these, like these, these things do. Okay. And as a feeder system, the NFL, I think it would be good if you could get that partnership and association. I just think sometimes the expectations are so inflated. Yeah, you have to look at it like a – 
you got to look at it like if we can get two million eyeballs. So that's like that's what NHL playoffs games are doing. Yeah, one point nine two million. That's good. It's a big time deal if you can deliver those eyeballs. Like, don't minimize that. Don't compare yourself. I think sometimes we compare the want to compare these spring leagues to, you know, college football or the NFL. No, don't compare them to MLS. Compare them to NHL. Uh, compare them to NBA. That's that's MLB. MLB. Right those are the comparisons you're looking yeah. for. You know, those are the ones you're looking for. Uh, all right, coming up next, Z goes one on one with AVP. You're listening to Cleveland Browns Daily on 850 ESPN Cleveland. Cleveland Browns Daily on 850 ESPN Cleveland. If a car, truck, or motorcycle accident caused you injury, call the injury lawyers at 1-800-ELK-OHIO for a free case review. Elk and Elk is a proud partner of your Cleveland Browns. And now Z, one-on-one with AVP. Here with Browns offensive coordinator Alex Van Pelt and coach Two weeks of the OTAs now in the books. How's this offense coming along? Still growing. That's the good news. You know, we've had good days. We've had some rough days. Um, you know, for the quarterback room, it's all new stuff. Um, the, the, the most encouraging part is we don't make the same mistakes twice. So now this is the second time we've gone through these installations. We should be getting better than it shows today. You talked about it in your press conference. This is a passing camp. You want to get maybe 350 reps on defense. Well, guess what? We have a pretty good back seven. So are you getting a lot of good looks and a lot of good work against good competition? Oh, there's no question. That, that back end for those guys, I mean, they're, they're talented. They're really four deep at corner even more. The safety play is exceptional. Um, their disguise has, has been really good so far in these OTAs, and it's a challenge for the quarterback room. All right, let's talk about Deshaun. What have you seen from here, here in these first two weeks OTAs? Uh, very impressive. I mean, his skill set's uh, phenomenal. I mean, he can make every throw on the field from all different body positions. It's fun to watch. His accuracy stands out. Um, you know, the, the arm strength is another uh, characteristic that you're like, wow. I, you know, he, he, can, he can put it in the windows that close quickly, so that's really good. So just getting him um, to catch up and learn as quickly as he can. But um, when, he, when he sees it and he fires it, it's, it's pretty. And it feels like it's quick. Once he makes the decision to throw it, it's not a lot of body motion. It feels like it comes out very quickly. It comes out quick with a great velocity. So those windows, they, they have a hard time closing on his balls. You talked about he reminded you in some ways of Aaron Rodgers. Mm -hmm. In what ways were those? Uh, his mobility, I think, his ability to, to make plays outside the pocket and throw off platform. Um, you know, quarterbacks should be able to make plays when, when everything's perfect at this level. Uh, it's when things break down that we have to be great. And I think there's a lot of characteristics of Aaron and, and Deshaun's game when things break down. One thing I've noticed, and I've talked to some other people out here, it feels like the middle of the field is back, that we're throwing the ball to the middle of the field, attacking it much more than perhaps we have in the past. What does that do for the offense? Well, you know, you got to defend the whole field at that point. So you're not just working outside the numbers. you got to defend the whole field. That makes us a better offense. What's kind of the evolution you want to see, given the skill set? You mentioned the mobility that he brings to the table. How does that evolve this offense? Uh, you know, we're going we're gonna to extend plays. You know, that's one of the areas we've talked about as a group is we're going to be out of the pocket more than we ever have. So our scramble opportunities, when we get out there, we have to make them explosive gains. So we've worked really hard um, with the whole group of what happens when we do extend plays. Jacoby Brissett's a guy who's quarterbacked a lot in this league. He started for multiple teams. When you have a backup like that, and you guys had a great one with Case Keenum as well. What does that do for the offense, and how has he looked so far? He's looked really good. He has a great understanding of one protections, scheme, um, everything we're implementing. You can see it. Uh, he's definitely banked a lot of reps, uh, has a ton of starts in the NFL, and there's not a lot that surprises him. So to have a security blanket like that uh, that's played a lot of football is good. 
You've been around a lot of great receivers, and Amari Cooper is the latest in that long line for you. What do you think about his route running, what he's shown so far? A tremendous route runner. He's a savvy guy. The thing that stands out most is his strength, his play strength. You know, he's a big guy that's explosive. Um, when you stand across from him and watch him come off the ball, uh, it's scary. So uh, it's good to get him in the mix now, and uh, you know, as Deshaun gets to know him more, there'll be a lot of production there. You have a couple guys that I think you're wanting to take leaps. Donovan Peoples-Jones, who's been very good each of the last two seasons, now in year three, and then Anthony Schwartz. We'll start with DPJ. How's he kind of fitting in and doing so far? Yeah, DPJ is always a pro. He does a great job. You know, he plays a lot of different spots for us. Uh, always consistent. You know, that's the big thing. He's, got, he's, he's played really well in this camp, um, had some big catches for us. Uh, really excited where he is. Um, and then with Schwartzy, uh, here's a guy that's really starting to gain some confidence now. You can see it in his play on the field. He understands where he needs to be, catching the ball very well right now for us. So the arrow's up on both those guys. It feels like with Schwartz, too, like even from before you guys got into the OTAs when you were doing just offense on air to where he is now, there actually has been significant progress, which I'm sure you're excited about because he is the vertical guy in this offense. Right, no question. And you think about these guys, a lot of these guys have not had this opportunity to go through a full OTA with the team setting, uh, you know, for the, the, the Bradleys and the, and the Schwartzes and Nick Harris's, those guys, these reps are invaluable for them. When you talk about David Bell, you guys are all excited. We know Coach was excited. That's as excited I've seen Kevin's fans to get about a player. How's he looked out here? And it feels like it's certainly this week, the last couple of days, he's made some big plays, especially in the red zone. He has, and it's all these rookies. You know, their heads are swimming right now. You're putting new plays in every single day. Uh, you can see a little bit in his game when he's not quite sure, um, you know, his route running ability. Sure. You know, But when he knows it, it's impressive. You know, he had a nice separation on a crossing route in practice. He's done some good things. So as he gains more confidence in himself in the system, we expect more production from him too. We've called it a passing camp. Mm -hmm. This is an offense that runs the ball quite a bit. We use some 12, some 13 personnel. We've seen some of that. We'll probably sure. be a little more 11 this year. But how do you kind of work on that at this time, or is that something that comes later on? That's we get off to the side. You know, we're not banging heads out here sure. with the defense, so we do it more of walkthrough settings versus our offensive offensive guys giving us a look on the other side. So um, I think we have four runs in a 10-play period. It's, it's not a lot. Yeah. Uh, that'll come in training camp. This offensive line, the depth seems to be very good. And getting a guy like Chris Hubbard back, and I know Conklin's on his way back. Uh, and we haven't had Joel here yet, but we've had guys. Blake Hans fills in, looks very, very good. What do you think about this line and how Nick Harris is adjusting to being that guy at center? No, I love our offensive line. I always have. They work hard, and it shows up for sure. Nick uh, is ready to step in. You know, he played well when he stepped in last year. We expect him to to, to plug that hole from, from J.C. leaving uh, flawlessly. Uh, Jack getting Jack back, Hub back. I mean, that's a line that's played a lot of football together. Uh, and you can talk about Blake. He's played up and down the line in every position, so we feel really good about our depth. I will talk tight ends now, and the Chief, the big news, signs. He's been back the last two days. He's in great condition. He always is. How can he grow in this offense now that he's the man? Right. Now his big thing is just going to get more opportunities to make yeah. plays. That's the big thing for him. Uh, his targets will definitely go up for us, and we expect him to, to, to show up, which he will. He has already, so it's looked good. And we talked about using the middle of the field more, and that's oftentimes where the tight ends live and his ability to stretch the seam. And you go and you put on the tape of Deshaun, you see beautiful seam balls right. with tight ends that don't have the skills that the Chief does. So this could be a great marriage for him, the offense, the quarterback, and, and now the opportunity. Yeah, there's no question. You know, David's worked hard to get into this position where he's at, and we're happy that, uh, that we got him signed and he's back. How's Harrison Bryant doing now entering year three? Really good. He's a guy that understands our system. You know, there's nothing uh, – that he misses out there. You know, he's a he's like a coach on the field and you know, he's another guy with, with hoop leaving, his targets will go up, his production will go up this year. 
So we got guys. This is an offense, like we said, three tight ends often. Miller Forstall looks like he's been that third guy so far, and it has looked pretty good. And then you've got some projects, mm-hmm. some some clay coming out of Texas Tech there that's pretty impressive and actually catches well, I think, pretty naturally. What do you kind of make of the rest of that tight end room? And has anybody caught your eye? It's really a group of guys battling for spots. You know, if you get if you get down past Harrison. Yeah, you know, and David uh, Miller was here last year, sure. you know, but it's, it's definitely guys battling for the spot. They've all looked good, and at times, you know, it's just going to be good competition moving into camp. The running back room, as we've talked about, not a ton of running here, some passing, but they all look good catching the ball. Kareem's had some nice catches, and I think Jerome Ford has looked real natural for a rookie. He has. You know, he's a guy that's, that's worked hard. Stump's doing a great job with him working on the side, but he's a guy that has a really good running uh, ability as well to catch the ball out of the backfield, so it be excited to see him on third down. And we've seen Dimitrik move back to the receivers. Is that just because we haven't had some guys available, or is that something that we're we're going to see as this offseason? Uh, a little bit of both. He's a, he's a utility knife for us. You know, one day you'll see him in the running back room, and if we're short at wide receiver, he goes out and plays wide receiver. But he's a guy that can do a lot of things for us. So as you sit here today, how do you feel about this offense, knowing that you have OTAs? Really, for the first time, we are able to really do this in, in your time here with the Browns. How do you feel about it, even though it is a whole new quarterback room, as you mentioned? Sure, I feel I'm very positive. You know, I, I like our group a lot. Um, adding Deshaun into the mix is, is, you know, an elite quarterback to come in and be your starter is excellent. Our running game has been as strong as anybody's in the league the last few years. So it's exciting times. So you got coming up, we've got the mandatory mini camp, then the break and training camp. What are you looking forward to about the mandatory mini camp? And then getting away, I'm sure, and kind of recharging yeah. the batteries. Yeah, the mandatory mini camp's just mandatory. You know, yeah. we've we've had a great attendance here. Hopefully, we we'll get yeah. Joel back in into the building next week and and catch him up on some of the changes we've made. But uh, you know, looking forward for another two good weeks of work. Um, you know, cap it off with a good couple days of work during the mini camp, and then everybody needs to get back, refresh, relax, and then come back ready to go into that marathon of the season. If you could tell the fans one thing that when they come out to training camp, they should expect to see from this offense, what would it be? Hmm. A dynamic, explosive offense. I think with the run game and, uh, and our uh, you know, emphasis on the drop back pass game, I think we can put some yards and some numbers up this year. That'll be a lot of fun. Coach, thanks so much for the time and enjoy the process. Will do. Thank you. Yeah, big big part of that process next week with mandatory minicamp. Continue to lay that groundwork, get everybody in the fold. Uh, Joel back in the mix, of course, and, and get everybody rolling. But there, we've seen some stuff we haven't seen a lot of before. We've seen Deshaun in a pistol you know, with, with running back directly behind him. We didn't run a lot of that traditionally, so Stefanski hasn't run a lot of that traditionally. We have seen some of that at OTAs. So I'm interested to see where some of those things go. I, I think you're going to get – this is an offense that is being – made on the fly but they've got a lot of work that they've already put in and laying that groundwork yeah this is a lot of install uh it's a lot of you know we're we're going to show you what to do take your playbooks when we leave a week from yesterday and in six weeks have that bad boy memorized because here we go so you know i i i want to say probably a, a good chunk of what they may or may not be running they probably already have, and it's yeah. up to them at this point to watch tape, study it, figure out what you got to do, memorize it, and be ready to go. But yeah, I mean, you met Joel Batonio. We haven't seen Joel. Yeah, I, but he went to he went to the Bahamas, and yeah, he doesn't have to. He's nah, he's a he bet knows. that knows how to do with this. Yeah, he knows what he's doing. It's this is this is going to be just a, so much more dynamic offense. 
going forward. Uh, the position that they're put in and Deshaun's ability to run and pass at the level that he can, it just opens a lot of things up. So it's going to be fun when we get into camp and obviously even more fun when we get into the actual season and these games start to actually count. Coming up at the top of the hour, Anthony Poisal will join us here in studio. Our senior staff writer will join us. Uh, we'll go over some of the headlines for camp with him. Um, we'll do a little higher or lower in this final hour as well in the final program of the week. Cleveland Browns Daily, 850 ESPN Cleveland. Cleveland Browns Daily on 850 ESPN Cleveland. My friend, your business operations collects all the data you need, but are you having a hard time bringing it together and seeing the full picture? Well, Bo here for my great friends at EOX Vantage. They're data scientists, also business operations experts. Your EOX Vantage team is going to help you build an automated system that brings your data sources together in real time, turns them into eye-opening dashboards. You can make smart, time-sensitive decisions. Staring at spreadsheets provide insight you needed to know last month. Well, again, the EOX Vantage can help. You'll know exactly where your people stand on their activities, on their deliverables, engage your financial performance easily and accurately, track progress and your ROI. Check out how companies are making their business intelligence smarter by visiting eoxvantage.com. And joined now in studio by our staff writer, Anthony Poissel. Good to see you, bud. Great to see you too, Bo. Great to be back on the show. Yeah, so we, you know, we've been... Our, our OTAs have been incredibly well attended. A lot of big work has gotten done. But then next week it ramps up a bit. There are uh, a lot of things that are interesting. A chief among mm -hmm. them will be an ability. All these all these mandatory minicamps will be open to everybody. So mm -hmm. you're going to get a full look at our offense with Deshaun Watson. Right. Based on what you've seen from this month, what are the biggest differences from what this offense looked like last year? And again, this is a passing camp is really yeah. all this is. Um, but but based on what you've seen, what are some of the biggest differences? Yeah, and I'm glad you stressed it's a passing camp because that's exactly what it is. Um, you know, I think now is kind of like they're they're experimenting. So what I'm about to say to answer your question is not necessarily what we're what we might see in training camp, but it is still sort of a uh, you know a sneak peek at. What they're thinking uh, of kind of using, you know, the mobility that Deshaun Watson has, the arm strength, his ability to kind of throw on the run. So um, I would say for me, some of the things I noticed in OTAs was just how frequently they were kind of doing like, you know, pre-snap motion plays, um, you know, just ma making plays that can maybe throw the defense off guard. Maybe we'll see, um, you know, in mini camp and in training camp, maybe we'll see some read option plays because it's like, you know, the team defenses know that Deshaun has, uh, you know, he's got speed. So um, how will they kind of prepare for that? Uh, so I think they're going to kind of open up the playbook a little bit more in that regard. Now, you know, play action was obviously a huge part of the the passing playbook before. Um, and I think that could still be, you know, a really big part of what they kind of keep in, in this playbook with um, Deshaun and the other quarterbacks they have now at, you know, in, in the room. So um, I think we'll see a lot more sort of that, that pre-snap motion style, you know, like stuff that's going to keep the defense guessing, okay, is Deshaun going to maybe hold the ball here? Is he going to roll out to his left, roll out to his right, like use that speed element of his game? Um, and we'll kind of see here next week in, in minicamp if that's, you know, kind of the direction they're going toward. Because like you said, you know, it's going to be uh, full personnel. We'll, we'll be able to see um, everybody on offense. We'll be able to see everybody on defense. And I think that'll be a really good time for the coaching staff to kind of roll out some of the things that they're thinking about, um, you know, putting in, adding to the playbook with, uh, you know, this new look passing offense they have. You, you can't help but want to throw a, a, a lot of RPO. I mean, right. you know, you put that in there. Mm -hmm. One of the things our fans always have been clamoring for is, you know, Nick and Kareem on the field at the same time. And, you know, 
well, the thing with that is you always then you're taking a receiver off the field, that type of thing. Mm-hmm. But you could see that now with the fact of of Deshaun in between them. Which way are we going with these things? It's just one more thing you have to deal with. Right. You have to account for Deshaun Watson's speed, mm-hmm. and that's something that that there aren't that many teams in the league that have that ability, that, that type of threat right. running the football. And Stefanski's going to use that to his advantage, right? And like our coaching, you know, the coaching staff is talking about maximizing his abilities, and I feel like using you know RPOs is kind of one way that you can do that. You know, like the defense knows that Deshaun's got speed, so why not make sure you use that to your advantage? Kind of maybe throw little different wrinkles in, like the pre-snap motion, like I was saying. You know, like stuff that's going to throw them off. It's going to keep them guessing every single play, and they're not going to know what's coming based on personnel. Um, you know, you saw how well RPOs work when, with Lamar Jackson in Baltimore. Like, yeah. it's, it's, it's the same deal here. Like, you know, they got two good running backs that they can use that it, it really helps when you're kind of running that type of offense. So um, I'm not saying it's going to be totally like what Baltimore's running. That's not what I'm saying at all. No, but, no, no. But, like, they could kind of open it up a little bit more, expand beyond just sort of using that play-action element to keep def- defenses guessing and, um, you know, really kind of take advantage of the fact that they have a quarterback here uh, that is, is fast and, and knows how to, you know, make defenders miss when he's running in the open field. Yeah, he's playing that system his whole life, so it's something he's very, very comfortable with. Um, you mentioned we have we have two good back. We've got, like, five good running backs, and it's actually probably <laughs> one too many. Right. Uh, I know Demetrius has been playing a lot of receiver in yeah. the OTAs, and, and we we heard AVP with with Z uh, just a second ago talking about, hey, look, like he's our Swiss Army knife. Mm-hmm. Is there a room for all these guys? I mean, this isn't a question for next week. This is a training camp question. Yeah. But Dearness's deal gets done, so you've got Nick and and Kareem at the top. You got Dearness right there. Ford's mm-hmm. been awfully impressive, right? And then Felton. I think it's going to depend on sort of what Jerome Ford is kind of able to show in training camp. You know, is he able to be not only just a good running back, but maybe somebody that um, can catch passes, you know, take those screen plays. Um, I think that's going to be a big part of it. I know, I mean, like you said, it's just a very crowded room. And the fact that now Dearness is is locked under, you know, for for this year, um, there's just so much depth. And, you know, we can can talk so many different scenarios. It's also going to depend on, you know, the other offensive positions. How many receivers do they want to keep? Do they view Dimitrik as more of a wide receiver or running back like those are all like the major factors that are going to go into okay how many running backs are they going to keep now if you count Dimitrik as a running back they kept four last year mm-hmm. um so that's sort of like the number I have in my head right now of like okay that's what they're working with maybe if they're still viewing Dimitrik as somebody that's penciled in, in that running back position then um you know I don't know how they'll sort of play things. You got to pull from somewhere. You know, if you keep all five, then you're going to have to pull from somewhere to make it work. So that's. But I think Jerome Ford is definitely a player to watch just because that is going to be sort of a difference maker in how many running backs they want to keep this season. He's been awfully impressive. He certainly has flashed. Uh, You mentioned the receivers. And I I think when you when you listen to our fan base, as we stay with the offensive conversation for a moment, the thing that they keep that I keep hearing is, do we have enough receivers? Do we have the guy, the other guy on the opposite side of, of or opposite side or slot or wherever? Right. You need a guy to take the top off the defense. Right. Well, I think we think Anthony Schwartz can be that. Yeah. We had him in here yesterday. Mm-hmm. He feels like he's poised to go, but he's got to do it. He's got to do it on the field. Yeah. Um, I'll be very curious to see what it looks like with him next week. What have you seen from him in this month leading up to it? Yeah, I mean, he definitely looks more comfortable and confident when he's going up to last scrimmage. That was something that he actually, um, you know, said when he was talking with the media earlier this week. So um, he's definitely looked fine. Obviously, just the fact that, you know, last year he dealt with injuries, right? So just the fact that this year he's been able to be out there for every single practice is, is a huge step forward in sort of how he kind of prepares for the season. So, um, and then when you hear from, you know, Chad O'Shea and, and Kevin when they're talking about him, like they, they have pretty high hopes for him. I think, 
that's part of a reason why they really haven't explored the other free agency options that are out there right now at receivers. Like, they want to give these guys a chance to step into a bigger role this year, not just Schwartz, but, you know, Donovan Peoples-Jones as well. Sort of see what David Bell can do. Um, but specifically with Schwartz, I mean, he has looked looked comfortable. And just, like I said, you know, the fact that he's been able to just be healthy and practice is such a huge step for him. Um, you know, he said that he's, he's just feeling more refreshed. He feels, like, comfortable. Like, last year he's literally said it. He was step up to the line of scrimmage, and he's like, um, you know, how am I – how can I mess this play up? Like, it's like, that's not what you want. Yeah, to have. That's no. not what you want to have in your head when, when you're, when you're a rookie receiver, right. Or, or any position. So, um, so the fact that he's now like, he's more confident in himself, he's more confident in the playbook and, and what he can kind of do and, and beating a receiver on each play, I think is, is a good step. And we'll have to see over mini camp and training camp, um, how that looks, you know, on the field. Yeah. I'll tell you, I, I think it's a necessity because I, I am with a lot of the fans on this. Like they, we do need that. We mm -hmm. need that deep threat down. Now, Chief can do that. Right. You know, so you have that a little bit. But you do need that burner somewhere. You need you need somebody else to be dynamic. We feel like Donovan Peoples-Jones can take a big leap. And then David Bell is somebody who's come in and just been looks like he's ready to go. But it is three young guys opposite Amari. I do feel like there's that someone needs, needs to grab the bit a little bit there. Yeah, definitely. And I think it would help that just the fact that, you know, Deshaun's a he's a good quarterback. He's going to be able to put the ball in the spots that they they need yes. to be in, and um, so that's going to help out in their in their development a lot too. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's three. You're right. It's three young guys, and I think they're kind of banking on having you know at least two. I mean, they want all of them obviously, but like yeah. having at least two of them really kind of step up and take that big leap this year. Because um, all of them, you know, like when they drafted Schwartz and EPJ, they were like very very high on them, and but you knew that it was going to take a year or two to to develop, right? So I know. You know, we had the week one game with Schwartz last year where he, he made, uh, you know, that one big 44-yard right. catch. And you're like, wow, okay, maybe he'll Here we go. be able to have that a couple times over the course of the year. And it just it didn't pan out. And, you know, injuries and other things like that kind of played into that. Um, but now that he's healthy and confident, it's like he's definitely one of the top candidates to kind of step into that bigger role. And, um, you know, I think having Amari in that room will help too. He's going he's gonna to require a lot of attention. And uh, I think that'll sort of, you know, make it easier for those guys to sort of step into that big role that they're, the coaching staff that sees from them this year. Let's do one on the opposite side. Uh, let's do a couple. Let's start in the middle at defensive line. Uh, this is kind of the one position group where you got to have a couple of guys really step up. Now yeah. we like the, a lot of these guys, but we're there. I do think there needs to be some big separation needs to take place in camp, but we'll get a little head start on that next week. Yeah, definitely. I mean, you know, they've had Taven Bryan and Jordan Elliott in there so far. Um, I think they're, we're also going to kind of wait and see if, if Perry on Winfrey is a guy that can kind of step in mm -hmm. I don't want to say immediately, but like at least over the course of the season, kind of step in and maybe become a guy that's taken, you know, 50% of the snaps is a big part of that rotation. Um, you know, that's a guy that was a lot of people thought was going to be in the second round. And, um, you know, Chris Kiffin said some very high things about him, just about how he's come in. He's, he's, he's checked every box that they kind of hoped that he could check off when he got in, which obviously one of those is just bringing in that high energy. Like he literally said, Chris Kiffin literally said that um, he's not, he's not, uh, there's not going to be anything in training camp that he's not ready for yeah. uh, as far as just like from an energy standpoint. So um, I think he's a guy that that'll be worth watching, like a huge guy actually worth watching over training camp to see how he develops. But for now, it, like you said, in the interior, it's um, it's Taven Bryan and, and, and Jordan Elliott that were taking those first team snaps and they're pretty high on them too. You know, Chris Kiffin thinks that uh, maybe a scheme change and just a change of scenery for Taven Bryan is going to be what kind of springs him into that um, career that you kind of maybe thought he could have as a first round pick in 2018. Um, and then with Jordan Elliott, he just said, you know, and a lot of coaches say this about players, but it's, it's, he's, he's gotten more muscle. Uh, this is his third year in the league now. And, um, that's normally when you expect a guy that was drafted in the third round, like Jordan Elliott was to sort of take that step. Um, and I think they're, they're really high on him.
Yeah, the, the back seven is so good mm-hmm. across the board. And that's going to help out a lot, too, with the interior. Like, Oh, my gosh. Those three corners are just outrageous. Mm-hmm. And Newsom's going to take a huge leap this year. You know, health It's health for everybody, yeah. but that trio is really special. The safeties are special. I think Jacob Phillips at linebacker is something. Yeah. But, again, health. Got to be healthy. Got to be healthy, yeah. You know. But that was one of the interesting things that kind of came out of OTAs, too, was just seeing him uh, you know, take, those, take the snaps at the mic position. Um, because that would be a big adjustment for the defense. Uh, <laughs> I mean, Rock right now is packing. What she got? Eight helmets. It's at least yeah, and then another like and then twenty. Scarlett's the got there. like twenty more helmets, helmets on a scarf. <laughs> Will Scarlett's packing helmets one, around? Yeah. We should take one, put them on. <laughs> I mean, jeez. Yeah, but Rock's um, getting after it. God bless her. But yeah, as I was saying, you know, just you know, Greg Newsom is is going to be such a weapon i think yes. for his defense over the future years just because he has he's going to have that capability to play in the slot and on the outside and that's going to be really big because you know you know injuries are, are going to happen at that position eventually and as long as he's healthy he's going to be able to be that plug and play guy anywhere you know i think they're they would feel confident in him being that number one cornerback for a week if he needed and uh <laughs> and he's um he's really kind of developed exactly as they hoped when they drafted him in the first round last year um and then just getting denzel locked down for so long was so huge too yeah. um and then, yeah, we'll see. Feels like with him, people are finally like around the league are taking notes. Like once the contract, people started looking into his play. Like, and oh, like, oh, yeah, he, he's this good. And yeah. Jamar Chase had that comment a couple of weeks ago about him uh, being at the top level yeah. of guys that he couldn't shake. I mean, he's like a silent assassin. There's there's, yeah. there's a few games every single year where it's like, okay, this is like a, a sort of like a marquee matchup. It's him versus one of the top receivers in the league. If, if I mean, it kind of happens every single week now with how many good receivers there are in the AFC. But um, you know, he's he's a guy that that they definitely would feel comfortable shutting down any corner in the league or any wide receiver in the league now. And that's, um, that's just a huge asset to have for the next, what is it? Five, five years now, four or five yeah. years. So, um, yeah. And he's, he's still, he's still young. I mean, he's still entering his prime. So, um, yeah, I mean, he could be getting even better, which is crazy to think about, but yeah. All right. CBS sports ranked their top 16 AFC and NFC quarterbacks. What's your biggest beef? Uh, Do you have so, a beef? AFC, NFC? What what jumps out? <laughs> well, I would say what, the first thing that jumps out is just how much better the AFC quarterbacks are compared to the NFC. Yeah, and this list really kind of helps. I mean, the one thing that I looked at was like right when you get sort of like the middle of the pack as far as the numbers, like you get to that six, seven range and it's like, okay, in the AFC, that's according to their ranking, it's Lamar Jackson and Deshaun Watson. And it's like, those are pretty two, two good guys, right? Yep. And then you kind of get to where that is in the NFC, and you get you like Jalen Hurts, Kirk Cousins, Carson Wentz, and it's just mm-hmm. like, okay, so the AFC. I mean, we knew this before we looked at the list, but seeing the, it actually like listed out, it made it stand out just how much better the quarterbacks in the AFC are and how competitive that, that conference is probably going to be this year. You could go um, 10, 11 quarterbacks in the A- 10, 11 teams in the AFC that are, there's probably more than that that view themselves as playoff contenders. There's probably eight to 10 that think if things go their way, they can win the Super Bowl. And right. this is why. Right. Because there are that many franchise quarterbacks. Even the guys at the bottom of the list in the AFC, um, I mean, they have Davis Mills 16th. But yeah. I mean, even the guys Tua, Kenny, the guys around that, yeah. like Zach Wilson at 15, uh, I'm not big to uh, not big on Kenny Pickett, but yeah. but Wilson certainly has a high ceiling. They yeah. have Trevor Lawrence 12. If you're yeah. redrafting the quarterbacks in the league, Lawrence is going to go pretty high. Right, right. I mean, it's just, it's such a loaded list. Like the only quarterback that you're like, okay, we're not really sure about this guy is like Davis Mills at the bottom, right? Like all the other guys that are yeah. at the bottom of that pack are mainly guys that haven't really had a chance yet. I mean, you can make the exception with Tua, but yeah. like Kenny, Zach Wilson, Trevor Lawrence, Mac Jones, like these are all guys that, are, you know, 
all of them are just now starting out. So I'm wondering if I'm wondering if Russell Wilson's too high on this list. That's I, I had Russell Wilson. So I did a little re-rank myself. I put Russell Wilson down at five, and it was mainly because I thought Joe Burrow belongs at yes. three, um, especially this year. Just I mean, the Bengals are going to have a better offensive line. Joe Burrow took 70 sacks last year. Doesn't uh, Burrow have to be ahead of Herbert? I know I, people are going to marvel at Herbert's arm strength. Yeah, but like Joe Burrow just took a. The yes. Bengals, a team last year that nobody was considering for the Super Bowl. Right. The Super Bowl. He got like, hit just all the, the time. Right. He completed 70% of his passes. He was yeah. clutch. Yeah. Like, to me, I would have him third. I think I think Herbert still, I mean, belongs in that top four. I, I, have, yeah. I have Joe Burrow at three and Herbert at four. Um, and then Russell Wilson at, at five. Although, uh, I would say with Russell, like, I wouldn't be surprised if it's not instantaneous success in Denver just because it's a new, it's a new like, system for him. I don't know if Denver's, like, adopting their system. Like, well, but, but what I always like, think was so interesting about him was like he had this always had this beef with Seattle. It's like they paid him. They now, I mean, they he had Metcalf and Lockett. Like, mm-hmm. how how much help do you need? Like, right. that's pretty good, right? So I mean, and they're going to have like some younger receivers there. Obviously, Jerry Judy is right. the Jerry Judy connection. Hamler's there, super, right? Right, Hamler. Um, so I mean, we'll see how it goes. He's still, I mean, a really good quarterback. We're, sure. we're when we compare him with the rest of the AFC, it's actually kind of crazy that he's that he's five, uh, but. It's just because there's so many good quarterbacks in that in that conference, and um, I mean this. We saw how competitive it was last year, and like I think there's a chance that it's even even more competitive this year. Yeah, I, I'm with you. I I think that's kind of my only beef on the NFC side of the side of things. That's, I mean, it falls off, the fall off is so quick. I yeah. don't really have any problem with right. one through five. No, I, I didn't either. It's like Tom Brady, Aaron Rodgers, Matt Stafford. Like that makes that adds up, and then it's I mean, Wentz that, is eight, dude. I know. Yeah, like like the, so eight is Carson Wentz and eight in the AFC is Derek Carr, uh, which is like, like there's a big difference there, right? So, um, but yeah, I mean, once you get past like eight, you get to James. Look at who, the bottom of this. That's what I'm saying. Well, I I forget who I forget who put this list together, but at 14, it was like he just threw a bunch of names. It was like Sam Darnold, Mariota, Geno Smith. It's right. Like, here's the what's dudes. the point Cody of rank? What's Benjamin the, from CBS Sports? Yeah, Cody's there you got, go. Thanks, guys. He's got Winston at nine. Uh, Lance at 10, who we've never even seen. Yeah. I mean, like, you can't have Goff 12, quite frankly. You can't have Goff behind Wentz. Right. I, I, I actually, I think now with the, you know, receiving corps that the Lions have kind of put together now with, you got Amon Ross St. Brown, DJ Chark, uh, Jameson Williams. Like, that's one of the better receiving group. classes in the hurry, league. Yeah. Um, obviously, there, that's a lot of pressure on Jared Goff to, you know, deliver at the, the level that he should be delivering at with a receiver class like that. But, yeah, I thought Jared Goff at 12 was – was a little low. Uh, I, I wouldn't be surprised if like he plays more towards the middle of the pack um, compared yeah, to last I year. I mean, it was rough last year, but um, but yeah, like I think Justin Fields is another guy that could take off if he had the uh, kind of receiving corpse that the Lions had. Like, that's his, honestly, you should prosecute. I know his best receiver is, is Darnell Mooney, who nothing against Darnell Mooney, he's a good receiver, but like the yeah. fact that he's the number one after you know they lose Allen Robinson and there were so many good free agent wide receivers on, in free agency and that's they say your, none your number one is is Darnell Mooney and your number two is Byron Pringle who like the Chiefs yeah so can't do that to a young quarterback right. would you take Jared Goff over Justin Fields uh given the supporting cast right now would I take the situation for sure yeah I would take Goff 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 you, you I would have him you like would take eight. Goff over Fields would you take Goff over Lance I would take Goff yes, over, absolutely. yes for sure I would take him over Hertz and Wentz yeah I'd probably have him Winston seven. yeah and for sure and like the thing with Trey Lance is like we haven't really seen any of him we have yet, no you know? idea so, and it's like were the Niners hiding because he was just like I mean I thought when they drafted him last year sort of the expectation was like okay he's gonna end up starting the games at some point during the season and that just never really came mm-hmm. together so um, yeah, no, to answer your question, Gibbs, I would be taking Jared Goff just because I, of the situation. I every, think Fields can have a I, I just career, feel but. like this guy 
has a mark on him since being traded to the Lions. Is he is he great? Probably no. not, but is he more than serviceable? Yeah. He played in a Super Bowl. Right. Yeah. And he's got a he's got a better supporting cast this year. He's got a second year under under, you know, Dan Campbell, so it's He's like a younger Garoppolo. Yeah. I mean, it's the same type of thing. Like, it's he's, you know, he's like, is he that much different than Cousins? I don't know. No. To me, it all feels like it's the same. Yeah. yeah. I thought Kirk Cousins, who's ranked at six. I mean, I know he, I think he threw like, it was seven interceptions last year. Here's the deal with him. Fantasy people love him. Right. They love Cousins. Because he doesn't throw interceptions. Because he yet. doesn't throw yeah. interceptions. He puts big yardage up. But in the big moments, right. it's a That's lot what of I was say, like, When's the last time the Vikings have won like a big must-win game late in the season? I, don't, I, don't even, I think they've had like one or two playoff appearances. They, had, there, the, so. they had the one win in the Minneapolis Miracle. That was Case Keenum, at quarterback, though. Yeah. Oh, that's right. That's right. Yeah. Did they win down in New Orleans once? Did, did Cousins win down in New Orleans once? I don't remember off the top of my head. Yes. But wasn't playoffs? that the Phantom? They never called the pass interference? Yes. Yeah. That's it. That's right. Yeah. 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 There should have been. Yeah, yeah. But there wasn't. Mm-hmm. No, but that's it. That's what you're waiting on. Like, well, where are your moments, man? Like, at some point, I mean, they have a great cast. Yeah. Like, Thielen and Jefferson, mm-hmm. Cook. Yeah, great cast is just not, not coming together. I think no. I think this is a big big year for Jalen Hurts. Uh, I think he's got a chance to kind of maybe move into that top five this year just because now they have A.J. Brown. He's got he's out experience of under him. Yeah. Right, he's out of excuses. And, you know, I think he's still got mobility as part of his game, which is, is a big part of – um, what a lot of quarterbacks can kind of become quick risers in this league now is if they're able to also make plays with their feet. So, um, I mean, we'll see. It's a make-or-break year for a lot of the guys on this NFC list, though. It really is. Yeah, you could see a lot of turnover. Mm-hmm. Good talking to you as always, buddy. Thanks for stopping Absolutely, by. Absolutely, Bill. Happy. Yeah. All right, Anthony Poisal joining us here in studio on Cleveland Browns Daily. Uh, we'll get to a little bit of higher or lower coming up here momentarily. You're listening to Cleveland Browns Daily on 850 ESPN Cleveland. Cleveland Browns Daily on 850 ESPN Cleveland. Rumpke Waste Recycling, family owned and operated. Whether you join them as a customer or an employee, you'll become part of the family. Visit rumpke.com to learn more. Hello, Gibbe. <laughs> we were stacking. Did we not stack? We did not stack. That's on me. <laughs> it's all good. There, there's, there's we'll do some meckling. Dan, Danny threw me off. That's on, Danny that's was on it, me. We were doing on me, restaurant though. recommendations, and so, you know, th- these things happen. <laughs> I it's was all like, good. I have a second. I'm going to use the restroom. It's right across no, the hall. What could go wrong? You don't have a second. We had so it. much time. That's on me. It's <laughs> all good. You're fine. That's fine. <laughs> we can... We can. Uh, do you want to do, you want to do higher or lower here? You want to yeah, do? You I, want to have we, some Bobby we can, fun? We can, yeah, we can do a couple a uh, couple other things. So, um, let's see. This is from John Costas. Oh yeah. Um, we were talking yesterday about ideas for uh, Scottsdale. Yeah. Uh, for golf, TPC Scottsdale public a little more cost efficient during the summer, and the players' course where they play the. Uh, waste management uh it's awesome uh i also like both courses at wildfire and whirlwind golf course at the or yeah golf club at the casino uh he had heard this on the podcast figured i'd help as a current phoenician 
Food-wise, Ghost Ranch in Tempe. Steak 44 in Arcadia, pricey but awesome. And Little Miss Barbecue, which is a first-class barbecue joint. That's pretty good. Dude, he's running a chamber of commerce. I I feel like that just happened, yeah. Yeah. Uh, let me get down to Bobby's stuff here. <laughs> uh, all right, from Bobby Meshley. Favorite SNL sketch? I just wanted to, like, we got to give him his due. He, he yeah, he's got he a sent lot us a there. bunch of questions. And Favorite SNL sketch. Well, the ones that jump out to me that were the funniest of my youth are the, the Chris Farley ones, yeah. like the van down by the river. Uh, the, when that originally aired, that was at a time in my life where I would watch SNL. I was in middle school at that time. That was something like I was watching SNL every Saturday night. Like I was watching it. I was dialed in. So that era, like him and Mike Myers with all of the absurdity with sprockets and all that stuff, like that was must-see. That was crazy, like what some of the stuff Myers was doing. But the, that, the Chippendales one with Farley, like those were always – Crushed. Weekend updates with Sandler and Norm. Oh were yeah, always, always great. Do the Opera Man stuff. The I'll tell you from the Feral era, the the one where the hot tub oh. with the meats and all that. When him and the the wife would sit in the hot tub. I mean that was unbelievable with Feral. Um, there was one Bill Hader did where he was the guy from um, I Drink Your Milkshake. That was just perfect. <laughs> Uh, those are some of the ones that jump out. I'm sure there's stuff I'm missing, and there's so many, so many during that era. Eddie Murphy. That's before my time, is, but, but like I've the clips are unbelievable. And, yeah. yeah, clips are unbelievable, just before my time a little bit. Uh, well, going back to our conversation about The Sopranos, you know, remember that the Journey song, Don't Stop yeah, don't Believing. Stop believing yeah. What song do you want played at your funeral from Bobby Meshling? <laughs> Oh my goodness! My way. That's pretty good. That's a good pull by you. Yeah, I mean, it's, we're not getting any prep on these. Like we're just getting hit with Bobby's stuff out of the blue. Yeah. So yeah, I, that's the first thing that came to my mind. I don't know. I got to think about that. I, yeah. There's that one in the. Uh, there's that romantic comedy that I watch always at the Christmas with my wife. Um, Love Actually, where, she, where the, the wife dies and she plays Bye Bye Baby Bye Bye at the funeral. I thought that's kind of good. That is good. That's pretty good. Uh, the first song that came to my mind was like Dropkick Murphys sailing <laughs> up to Boston. And let's just go have a rager at the pub in honor of me. I'm fine. In honor that. of you. Yeah. Uh, if your house was on fire, but your family and pets were safe, what three things would you grab? If my house were on fire and my family and pets were safe, what would I grab? Um, I have a couple of, uh, I mean, there, there's a couple of like jewelry things that, that I would grab. Um, my phone, that would seem to be an important thing. You'd want to be able to call people at the fire department, especially. Um, and I have a couple of bottle of bottles of whiskey that would be easy to grab and run with. Gotcha. Yeah. Um, what are you grabbing, Gibby? I have a uh, I have a terabyte that has like all of my photos and oh. everything I've uploaded over the years from music to photos. There you go. I would definitely grab that. Um, yeah, I, I think definitely a, a phone is in play. That that's going to be an important item. I don't. 
Just make sure everybody's safe, and we'll figure out the rest. I feel like the rest can be replaced. I might throw my golf clubs in the fire and try to get a new set. It might be frowned upon. <laughs> there you go. But, um, what was your first concert? Um, it was um, – well, my first one was Alabama when I was a kid. Nice. At the Montana State Fair uh, when I was a really little kid. I remember my parents took me to see Alabama. And then um, my first as like me as a adolescent was uh, Bush – and Deep Blue Something. Wow, yeah. Deep Blue Something opening for Bush. Well, didn't they do uh, Breakfast at Tiffany's? They did Breakfast at Tiffany's, uh-huh. and that was, yeah, uh, that, that was, was a it. Q, yeah. That was in my Q104 days. Yeah, that was there, and then that that was around. So then Pearl Jam used to open every world tour in Missoula, Montana, because Jeff Ament was from Montana. Uh, so that was always a must. Um, but that was all around that same time. There was a – also. I feel like I saw – I did see Bush twice, because I, I was also saw them – uh, with the, it was no doubt in Bush. Yes, no doubt open for Bush. Yeah, because Gavin and Gwen. And then away they went. Yeah, yep. yeah. Uh, mine was Millie Vanilli. <laughs> Not kidding. How? Here? Yeah, at the Coliseum. Come on. Blame it on the rain. I mean, they these guys could bring a hit, man. They absolutely could. Fantastic. Who knew that they weren't singing? No. How? <laughs> right. Who cared? Uh, yeah, my uncle took me. Pretty funny. Uh, <laughs> I can't even ask you this in, in the event someone's listening. What is one thing you don't want your kids finding out about your past? Too long and uh, too distinguished, yes. Bobby. Yeah, and there's a follow-up to that too. But, jeez, <laughs> uh, <laughs> if you could have dinner with anyone from history, who would it be? My God, Bobby. Anyone from history? Yes. I don't know. Julius Caesar? Warn him about Brutus? I don't know. That's a tough one. I got, I got that. There's, there's a lot of ways you could go with that one. Anyone in history. Yeah. Yeah. I, I don't, I got to have someone who knows how to have a little fun. Can't be a stick in the mud. Yeah. I think that's a, you know, they did that that episode of curb on that like are you a middle or are you an end like that like type of thing yes, like ld would that. be fun to have dinner with ld i would imagine um yeah, yeah i don't know that's that's tricky good so, job out of bobby yeah th- there were like 40 questions that was just he comes a in quick hot. little snippet he comes in hot yeah all right we'll do a little higher lower coming up next you'll listen to cleveland browns daily on 850 espn cleveland Cleveland Browns Daily on 850 ESPN Cleveland. Lots of bad advice out there about gambling from secret methods to picking lottery numbers to betting big when you're on a roll. The mist can lose you money and get you in a lot of trouble in the process. So before you wager, find out what's real and what isn't at keepitfunohio.com. This is on Twitter, so I'm guessing it must be true. Uh, Miss X tweeting me, this is the woman who got through six years of college listening to you daily. (laughs) My cousin dated the guy from the band who made breakfast at Tiffany's when she was a teen long before he became famous. Good job. What? Her cousin dated the guy in uh, that group, the Deep Blue Something group, apparently. I mean, it's on Twitter. It must be real. 
I mean, she tweeted at you, so sure. So she knows it. Yeah. I'm in. Like, that wouldn't be something that you would just randomly go and make No. Up. I mean, who would claim such a thing? I, I, I don't think so. <laughs> uh, okay. Yeah. It's a catchy tune. I, I got to feel it, it, it was a one-hit wonder. I don't oh, think it has to anything be. else. No, 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 no. They, no. tr- they might have tried, no. but I don't remember seeing anything else. Mm-mm. No, no. That It felt like that was it. Yeah. No. Uh, a little higher or lower presented by our great friends at the Ohio Lottery. Paulus, you're going to play. I know you're just finding out. But <laughs> Sounds good. It'll be great. Um, today, in honor of Mr. Bishop and sure. his other position, uh, the top 25 coach rankings in college football per Bill Bender, our good friend and the sporting news. Are the following coaches, should the following coaches be higher, closer to number one, or lower, closer to number 32? Paulus, hit it. Higher or lower? All right. Uh, number one was Nick Saban. Are, are we all in agreement that Nick Saban should yes. be number one? Yeah. 100%. Not, yeah. Yeah, there's no, right. no conversation to be had around that. Well, the number two could be, though. Mm-mm. Number two is Dabo Sweeney, Clemson. Uh, higher, lower, or just right, Bishop? Look, it can be accurate that no one has built something more impressive quicker than Dabo Sweeney. I mean, it's as impressive as any build you've seen. Like, he took the natural things that Clemson had going from them, but he took Clemsoning, and then all of a sudden he got Deshaun Watson and Trevor Lawrence, and he won two national titles at a place uh, that last sniffed one in the early 80s and was known mostly as choke artists. So you can be appreciative of all of that and also say that he has lost his fastball because those two things are true. He's not recruiting at the level he was a couple of years ago. Um, this is a big, big year for them. They're really good on the defensive line. Uh, DJ Uyunglele is back at quarterback for them, but they need him to be really good. They were awful last year offensively. He should not be two, though. It should be Kirby Smart. Kirby Smart should be two. He just won the national title. Um, he has recruited at a level that is very high. You could argue Dabo versus Ryan Day. They have Ryan Day at four. I think Dabo should be ahead of Day, but I think it's close. Uh, but I think the guy that number three should be number two, and that's Kirby Smart. Uh, Nick Paulus. No, 100% uh, with uh, Bo. Kirby should absolutely be number two. Dabo, you could argue for three or four, but uh, just because of the two national championships, but I think that that's mainly due to Deshaun as well as Trev. But, yeah, there's there's no way. I, I think that he's uh, he's definitely lost his fastball, and I think last year was, uh, was a sign of it. Has he lost his fastball because – He's in the ACC, which is just a horrible football. Yeah, I mean, he's had a bunch of missteps too, uh, Gibbe. I mean, he's you want to you, you know he had the missteps on saying that guys shouldn't be paid. He's you know he's he's, he's put he's his missed foot in out on a lot of stuff. Yeah, and so his yeah, it's a big year for him. It's a really really big year. And now that Next. Venables is gone, it's uh, yeah. We'll see what happens. Yeah, higher or lower? Uh, Kirby Smart was number three. We all agree he should be up to number two. Ryan Day is at number four. Bishop, higher, lower, just right. It's just right. Um, he, the only thing missing on the resume is just national championship. They are the one program in the North and probably the only program in the North that can recruit with Bama, recruit with Georgia consistently. Uh, he's won a ton. He's missing just the national title on the resume. Everything else is there. He's even elevated it from the standpoint of they're now, you know, they're signing the best high school quarterbacks in the country 
to go to Ohio State. That was something that had never happened never. Uh, until he got there in terms of pro-style guys. So, uh, no, it's an appropriate ranking for Ryan. I, I have no issue with him at four. Paulus. He's 34-4. and four. Absolutely. He should be number three or number four on this list. End of story. Next. Higher or lower? Luke Fickle is number five. Big, big, big spot there for Luke Fickle. Number six, Brian Kelly in his southern accent at LSU. Takes us to number seven, Lincoln Riley, USC, uh, 55 and 10 career record. He leaves Oklahoma, goes on to USC. Bishop, higher, lower, or just right for one Lincoln Riley? I think Lincoln Riley should be fifth on this list, and I have full respect for Luke and what he what he did at Cincinnati and the way that he, he pulled that off. Um, but Lincoln Riley, you could argue, I think very plainly, that he maybe salvaged and saved the Oklahoma program, and then he burned it to the ground. But um, his immediate impact um, at USC is eminent. Uh, he, is, he is like Ryan Day in the sense of, kids are going to want to go play for him because of the way they play offensive football. He had three straight, he had two straight Heisman winners. He had three straight Heisman finalists. It's two straight number one pick overall, all of that. um, I don't understand how he's behind Brian Kelly. That makes absolutely no sense. So I would have him higher uh, than where he is at seven. Nick Paulus. He absolutely should be higher. Five is probably the sweet spot for him. Uh, Brian Kelly needs to move down. Absolutely. I, I, Hot take, I don't think he's going to do very well at LSU. I think people are going to see right through his fakeness that he has. And Luke, I like Luke a lot, but come on, Lincoln Riley is going to you know, resurrect the USC uh, coaching job and position there in Southern California. That is football. The Rams aren't L.A. The Chargers aren't L.A. USC mm. is L.A. Yeah, I, I would tend to agree. I think Brian Kelly... That could go down in flames. He's that could so be a phony. Colossal explosion. He's. Yeah, I, I, I think it's one of the most fascinating moves that they hired him. I mean, the only reason Lincoln Riley is at USC is because he was willing to listen to LSU and USC said, wait a second, we can get him. And that's what allowed for all of that. Um, I think Kelly was a situation where they had to have a dance partner, and so they landed on him. I think it's a tough fit. I really do. I think it's a really tough fit. The one thing about that job, though, is it's a great job. They've won three national titles the last 20 years with three different coaches. Um, so that's a pretty remarkable thing. And the in-state talent, the kids, the one thing about LSU, and you, we could talk to Delpit about this or OBJ or Jarvis when they were here, Greedy, Jacob Phillips. If you, if you grew up in Louisiana, you grow up wanting to play at LSU. So – the recruiting pitch, you just have to be competent, and you get most of those guys. Yeah, exactly. Next. Higher or lower? All right, I got to throw them in here. Number eight was Jimbo Fisher. <laughs> Higher or lower? Just right. Uh, Paulus, we'll start with you. Eight seems kind of right. I, I mean, I don't view him as, like, the world beater as a head coach. I think that he's a good coach. I think that his best year was obviously with Jameis at his, you know, a height of Jameis. So I, I think eight's probably about right. So he's won 70% of his games um, or the same amount of games, that percentage of games as Nick Saban has won both against top 25 competition and in the college football playoffs. So that gives you – the idea that he was punching up against Saban is insane. Like, settle down, little dude. Uh, Nick's exactly right. So he has Jameis – uh, in 2013 and 2014, 2012, he had EJ Manuel at Florida State, who was a first-round pick. They went 12 and two. 
He goes 14-0 with Jameis as a, as a redshirt freshman. They win the national title. Jameis wins a Heisman. The next year, they go 13-1. This, these are the other records. These are the records for him the rest of the time. 10-4, 9-4, 10-3, 10-3, at Florida State. At Texas A&M, he's gone 9-4, 8-5, 9-1, 8-4. I feel like he's the Kirk Ferens of the He's SEC. the Jim Harbaugh of, of the South. Yeah. And yet, he's got $100 million in contracts because he parlays any sort of interest, mostly from LSU, into contract extensions and raises, first at Florida State and now at Texas A&M. But he's got Texas oil money now behind him, so look out. That's why they were able to buy that class. Next. Higher or lower? Jim Harbaugh's at number nine. Kyle Whittingham. That's you- a joke, by yeah. the way. That's a joke. Absolutely. Harbaugh nine. That's a clown show. Where would you put him? Further down, fifteenth. He's. You, would you put Kyle Whittingham at Utah ahead of him? Yes. Mario Cristobal. Have to see, but I mean, I yeah. Jim, I mean, Jim's I think, better. Jim's better than Mario, dude. He lost Lloyd Carr's grandson I know, to which Notre is Dame. Hilarious. hilarious. I, that can't happen at Michigan. He has not. He does not have a quarterback signed in the twenty-two or twenty-three class. I'm pretty sure. The idea that. It's that's unbelievable. He is he knew that it was a one year thing against Ohio State when he beat him this year. He did everything any good. He interviewed with Quasey on National Signing Day. Yes, yeah. Like he wanted out. He knew it. I'm not saying. I'll he's... tell you what. Whatever the over is in the shoe, bet it. Yeah, hundred percent. Ryan yeah. Day is going to score eighty. He might. CJ Stroud in the fourth quarter. Yes, he will score as much as he can in All that right, game. I'm going to jump to the very end because we're up against it. But Bill Bender. Also ranked all 131 coaches. Not of course just top he did. 25. Of course Bill did. Because he's thorough and competent and amazing at what he does. <laughs> uh, the worst coach in the Big Ten is Greg Schiano. That's not fair. Rutgers, 63. That's not fair. Greg Schiano has accomplished more at Rutgers than some of these guys ahead of him. Agreed. How is, how is Greg Schiano behind Scott Frost? That's uh, been a disaster. Yeah, of epic proportions. One, another one he gets wrong. He's got Lane Kiffin way too low. You might not like Lane Kiffin, but his impact's immediately felt when he goes to a place and coaches there. Where'd you put him ahead of Mark Stoops at Kentucky? Kiffin? Yeah. They go about it different ways. I probably would. I, like, I think if I, like I think Kiffin. if Lane Kiffin, if Lane Kiffin would have been the jo- the job at LSU, got the LSU job, then they would be recruiting the way George is recruiting. It's just Ole Miss is a little tougher sell. Yeah. All right, gentlemen, higher or lower for this week? All right, so much more to come. You're listening to Cleveland Browns Daily on 850 ESPN Cleveland. Cleveland Browns Daily on 850 ESPN Cleveland. Next week, minicamp. We're all here, Gibby. Let's go. We'll yeah, it'd be fun. Some, we'll get be some fun. fine content out of that, I'm sure. Yeah. I mean, I look. I think it's going to be a fun week. I think, you know, down in Canton will be fun. Going to the stadium on Thursday will be fun. So you'll have that to look forward to, which is very, very nice. Uh, you will have the next level to listen to, which is very, very nice as well. That is coming up next. We're back on Monday. Cleveland Browns Daily, 850 ESPN Cleveland. You've been listening to Cleveland Browns Daily, a production of the Cleveland Browns and ESPN 850 WKNR.